to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. Joining me as always is the one, the only, Randy Darsh. Hello everybody. Now Jimbo, y'all, y'all know that. Um, Randy, how, how's it going? How's it going, man? Good. It's good. I had a good first weekend of football. It's kind of like kind of like waking up on christmas morning you kind of like you kind of slightly expect to wake up and to see like presents in your living room or whatever mm-hmm. but really the present is you get to watch football and you get to watch college game day and we watched a lot dude we, we were just talking about this before the show there, there there were games on thursday night friday night saturday sunday and then obviously monday night um we, we really were spoiled weren't we we were very spoiled. The first week is always really good. There's a lot. Of, the first week has a lot of great games because you like get to set your expectations and see what these teams are really made of. Right. And you're gonna have some like kind of Cinderella stories pop up that we will discuss. But there's also a lot of those kind of like group of five versus power five games where you watch a team and it's like you want to be like, oh man, they actually even though it was Middle Tennessee State, even though it was versus UMass, they looked competent. And we always get fooled by it every year, like we are getting fooled by it. And every year, we end up being wrong about a lot of that. Everybody ends up being wrong about a lot of that. So, Are you saying Alabama's not good? Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I'm they... saying we looked competent, and I liked a lot of what I saw. The physicality, the defense just looking in position, mm-hmm. the, the, the heart. They looked excited to be there, which is we hadn't seen from Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien uh, in the past couple seasons. But again... We could say the same about Auburn and UMass. That's true. You could say the same about pretty much every P5 versus G5, except the ones that lost, like Purdue. This is a good segue, Randy, actually. Do you think we should talk about some of the games that happened this last week? We absolutely should. We have to roll with first Colorado shocking the world, upsetting TCU 45-42. to And here's the thing. We were, wrong. we were actually technically right about this. Because, remember, oh. remember, even though we both kept saying Colorado was going to suck, we what was the quote? This is going to be one of their two wins of the season. So technically, we're not wrong about Colorado yet. Dude, my, no, my lock of the week, my lock of the week was that Colorado would win, that they beat TCU. So I'm feeling pretty good so far. One for one on the season. I've got a lock of the week coming up this week, but we're saving that for later. Save it for later. I will say their team seems very... They actually have some talent, um, but it's really beyond Travis Hunter because it wasn't actually yeah. Travis Hunter that was making a lot of the touchdowns. No, it was, like, it was Deion really Sun. Like show. Yeah, in a lot of ways, they're very much a two-man show. Shador Sanders, Deion Sanders' son, had amazing stats, set the Colorado passing record for a single game. <laughs> That's just um, insane. Yeah. And Travis Hunter playing 110 snaps, both on offense and defense, having, a, what is it, a pick and two touchdowns? Was that right? Uh, something like that. I mean, he had a monster game. 110 snaps. He played the whole game. And the thing is, like, if you're that reliant on one player, one amazing player, yeah. it's just, if he ever has an off game or if, he ever, if he's ever just tired one game, which is right. going to get tired, then, I mean, you, you're you going to see what's going to happen. Right. When you play a good defense with, like, an elite lockdown, like, NFL caliber uh, corner, right, a guy who can, like, actually go toe-to-toe with him the whole game, uh, Colorado's going to be, they're going to have some problems, I think, against good teams. But... I, honestly, dude, I said going into this year that they're going to be an eight and four team, and I stand firmly by that. I, I feel so good about my prediction, and uh, I say suck it to all the haters who really believe that TCU would win. That's my story. They have a tough schedule. Um, the Pack 
unfortunately, is actually pretty decent. I say unfortunately unfortunately because they're actually going to dissolve after this year, Mm -hmm. right as they're getting a little better. So it's just just very unfortunate, but it is what it is. Gotta go to those games. Gotta go to those games. Um, One thing that stuck out in my mind, Randy, and perhaps this is a good um, segment for you to defend yourself on, I had a hunch that the mighty SEC had... A bit of a tough opening weekend with, uh, you know, losses to Florida State, North Carolina, and Utah. Uh, okay, so we're going to cover these one at a time. Okay. First of all, I wanted to say that you were actually wrong about oh. Florida State. Because our, what was the score prediction you had? 52-17 to 17 LSU? I just yeah, wanted to point out that thought, you were wrong about that. It's, it was the other way around. Yeah, I, I really didn't see it ending like that at all. <laughs> I did not see that going that way either. Well, with the Florida State LSU game, we'll start with that one. Sure. Um, LSU just looked, they looked unprepared. Mm -hmm. They looked sloppy, unprepared, undisciplined. I really think they had let it get to their head. They're supposed to take this next leap and didn't actually like really put in the work. I'm sure they shut up the practice and whatnot, but they didn't Mm -hmm. really put in the work and mental focus it was going to take. Um, and they didn't really pay attention to their fundamentals and were, as a result, very sloppy. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because they can't – I remember their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, gifted beats to, what, like the whole team? Yeah. This quote that's like, everybody's doubting us and we're going to prove ourselves. And it's like, dog, <laughs> nobody was doubting you. Every, you were the hot pick to win everything, and no. you let that go through your head. Just crazy. So I mean – I'm glad you see Florida State knocked them down a peg. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, Florida State did look really good. Uh, I was super impressed by Jordan Travis. I think he's going to be in the Heisman talks uh, come November, if he can keep playing like that for sure. I mean, Florida State, I think in my mind, is like the team to beat in the ACC now. So. We are going to have a very interesting September Heisman. We're not going to do that this episode, but we are going to have a September Heisman because we true. just have to because we there's been to. so many great stand-up players already. It's true. Two of them on the same team. Anyway. Next, we have North Carolina defeating South Carolina. Another game. Well, we were both wrong about that again. <laughs> yeah. I believe. yeah. Um, North Carolina actually had a defense. I mean, I was a little surprised. I didn't get to watch a lot of it because I was watching the Alabama game, which was on at the same time. But mm-hmm. I did get to see some of it. Um, I don't know. Just South Carolina's offensive line is pretty bad. That's what I heard. I was able to watch uh, the game. But wasn't it like uh, Spencer Rattler was sacked like nine times or something insane? I mean, that's something like that. Hard to win games like that. Um, it is. And North Carolina might be the best team in the AC, second best team in the ACC now. Yeah, I think it's them and the Florida State for sure in a one-two punch. Uh, for a reason we'll get to. But real quick, I just wanted to say uh, the Utah-Florida game, I got to say, dude, watching that, it, w- it was like seeing flashbacks of Wisconsin football for the last three or so seasons. Um, that was just a, a, a vintage Graham Mirth performance every step of the way. They looked. It looked exactly like watching Wisconsin, and it was it was painful, but also kind of relieving to know that our offense no longer looks that uh, that pathetic. So I'm not a Graham Mertz expert like you are, but <laughs> what, what I noticed it was like almost every single pass was so predictable. Oh yeah, it was like this short five yard pass right on the numbers, like on the outside number, outside hash. Every single pass, never once tried to throw more than 10 yards, just never took any chances to the point where the defense just was just like, it's not he's not going to throw a pass five yards, so let's just sell out to defend this. Yeah. And so he would technically string some drives together because they'd eventually give him some cushion, mm-hmm. but just 
there was nothing there. There were so many times where he was sacked on third down oh. where it was like, okay, technically maybe a guy got free, but as a quarterback, you should see that coming and be and anticipate it a little bit better. I agree. He's he's historically terrible at sensing pressure and being able to scramble or throw it away, you know. Um and I, for what it's worth, I think his main problem is, like, the second he's trailing in a game, like, the second his team goes down by a score or two, it's just over. Like, like the dude is so anti-clutch, and I think it just gets in his head. Like, he, he plays very scared, I would say. Very, very scared. And, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're down on the road by a couple touchdowns, you need to be aggressive, right? You need to take some shots downfield, like you're saying. So, yeah. That's that exactly is. what it looks like watching him play. Vintage. He has the yips. Vintage Graham, he, he's definitely got the yips. And I, that could be solved by good coaching, I think. But Billy Napier is not the guy, <laughs> you know? He's not going to be the guy that makes him do a Joe Burrow or something. So, I got to go back. going to have another win versus an SEC team before the year's over, it looks like. Uh, which, wait, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so you remember you remember a few years ago when Dabo tried to kill the word Clemsoning? Oh my god. That was like a decade ago, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he tried he, he's like, We don't do that anymore. We haven't done that in so long. You need to cut you cut it out using that word. Yeah. Well, I think the word can be uh brought back to life. It's back. I mean, that was I it's one thing if you had told me Clemson was gonna lose to Duke. I, I could maybe see it, you know, it's it's week one on the road. I, I did not, I don't think anyone saw them losing by 21, though. I mean, they got thoroughly blown out, which was just insane. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, Duke was very decent last year, because I looked into it, and they went 9-4, and four, and all of their losses were by one score. Mm-hmm. So they have a really good team, veteran team, veteran quarterback, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're Clemson, you have all this talent stockpiled, you have Dabo, you shouldn't be losing to Duke. Especially in the manner in which they lost. Now, I, I, I understand, like, defenders are saying, you know, well, they got, like, they fumbled it twice or something in the red zone. And, I'm going to flash the red zone and had the horrible missed field goal that was blocked. And like, but I, it's like, you got to, that's on the team. That's on coaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, I, I just, I, I, it's insane to me that they couldn't finish. I, I feel like with that much talent, you have no excuse not to just pound the ball and, like, run at the gut. Like, you will win that one-on-one battle, you know? So, I mean, Clemson, dude, do you think, I mean, I, I think we'll get to them in a question, this question in the mailbag, but just real quick, I mean, do you think Clemson can turn this around, or is this really indicative of what's to come for the Tigers? Uh, turn this around as in this year? This year, or, or in general, I don't know, man, like, I, I, I'm getting the sense that this is kind of it, dude, like, I feel like, I feel like college football is past Dabo at this point, and uh, you know what I mean, he's on the outside looking in. I mean, their fourth game, and in just a couple of weeks, they have to go play Florida State. So, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I think we're going to see then. I mean, if this is another, you know, not so great year for them. But I I don't think they're on that CFP contender level, near dynasty kind of level anymore. Yeah. It's just, at this point, I think it's really a question of how far do they fall. I mean, they should win this week against Charleston Southern, but... Looking at their schedule, dude, Florida State, Syracuse, Miami, NC State, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, that's a that's a pretty tough schedule, dude. Like, I honestly, part of me wonders if they'll miss a bowl game. I don't think they're going to you know, be that bad. They, here's the thing. Is they have plenty of stockpile talent. When you have enough talent, you're bound to accidentally you know, <laughs> win a few games. I guess. 
I don't think they'll be that bad, but I could definitely see like eight and four, one of those typical early Dabo seasons where they go like eight and four. But early Dabo eight and four was considered like fine, okay, good yeah. year, just try to beat South Carolina. Now going eight and four, even though it's the exact same record, right. is now seen as like this horrible, you know, what's yeah. wrong with Dabo thing. Well, given the talent, it is, is it is kind of horrible in my mind. But that's true. They didn't have that same level of talent early in his tenure. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other games we want to recap, or should we head on to the mailbag, Randy? We have a lot Go of questions. Go ahead and head on to the mailbag. We got a... I'm ready. Do you want to read them off? Because the first question. <laughs> Here we go. We were just, just, I just now saw this. Go down to Is it Jover for the Clemson Tigers? I, I think it's Jover. I think I honestly think I, I don't think Clemson will ever be with Dabo. I don't think they're ever going to be a playoff team ever again, ever. They would just, uh, see the formula is simple. All they need is a generational talent and quarterback that becomes a first round draft pick. <laughs> Easier said than done, Randy. Easier said than done. Sure. And for what it's worth, As, I don't think Kate Klubnik is that bad. It's just, I think the entire team, like you said, they just looked unprepared. They looked like they didn't want to be there. You know, it's just, it's bad coaching. It's bad coaching. That's absolutely it. It's sloppy, bad coaching. And he needs to, he refuses to adapt to the transfer portal. Like, yeah. that uh, just. You don't make your team a martyr. You're making yourself a martyr for the system. And just <laughs> nobody cares that you're the martyr. They're just going to say, okay, you suck now and didn't adapt. Yeah. I mean, like the thing with the transfer portal is like, I, I, I get why he's, you know, we got to grow our guys and you know, do it the right way. But like the reality is with the transfer system, like you're giving like really good athletes a second chance, right? Like, like guys who like are, are really talented, but just like for whatever reason, it didn't work out at one place or they just need a new change of scenery. Like, I, I don't see it as this inherently like evil thing. Like, I, I don't know where he's coming from with any of this in my mind. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, moving on to heads. Will Wisconsin adapt to the air raid or go back to power football? I think Wisconsin is 100% going to adapt. They have Phil Longo, who used to be North Carolina's OC. Yep. And was, or North Carolina always had great offenses. It's just going to take a year or two for them to really, for it to come into its final form. There, he's not going to fully go into like the air raid now, but right now you can see concepts of it. Well, I'll say this, Randy. I did a little bit digging uh, regarding this question. So we scored 38 points against Buffalo this year in our opener. Last year, we played Illinois State and scored 38 points as well. Okay, so actually a pretty good comparison, okay? Last year, Graham Mertz threw the ball just 16 times. Want to guess how many times Tanner Mordecai threw the ball on Saturday, Randy? 35. 31. So pretty close. Almost twice as many times we've thrown it already. So in my mind, has I think we've already kind of adapted to it. Now, Tanner Mordecai didn't light it up. He wasn't chucking it downfield. It wasn't your typical, you know, Big 12, uh, Hail Mary type stuff. But we are already throwing the ball a lot more, and it's already opening up our run game. Both Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy had monster games. So I, I'm actually very optimistic for our offense this year. Uh, he has another question. Will an undefeated Tulane make the playoffs? <sighs> they did play Ole Miss this week. I know that. It's their only and D5 Ole team. Be good. Yeah, that's the only Power 5 team. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at their schedule, and I'm not seeing any opportunity for them to prove themselves other than that Ole Miss game. Yeah. It would take a lot of things. I think it would take like a really dominant win over Ole Miss. And Ole Miss being pretty good. Like, Ole Miss has to finish, like, 10-2 and two kind of a thing, right? 
And Tulane needs to, like, dominate every team, right? Like, they need to win every game by, like, three touchdowns or so. I, I think, like, it's it's a very tall order. It's possible, but extremely unlikely, given those circumstances. And they're going to need some PR going their way. I think U.S. So, hear me out on this. Yeah. USC having a great year would also help them because then mm. they can point to, like, look, we just beat USC last year in our That's bowl true. game in the Cotton Bowl. That's true. Like, and they, have, they do have that momentum from last year, which really – helps in the mind of the college football playoff committee yeah i mean it's it's certainly possible but i just think the schedule being that week it's going to be difficult without multiple two loss power five champions yeah but i mean i we'll have to wait and see i'd say no right now but you never know all right Up next from trend can travis hunter win the heisman yes yes I think he might be one of the front runners right now, <laughs> to be honest. He might be. Um, was DJU really the problem at Clemson? He was a problem, but not the problem. Mm. Um, the Clemson offensive system, I think we are now seeing is just bad now and just kind of out of sorts. And Yeah. He, so he did great at the Oregon State. He had like 80% completion at the Oregon State game, had his best ever passing game with his first game at Oregon State. I mean... He's clearly talented. Um, it does make you wonder if, like, but, like, with Clemson, like, their offense somehow held him back. But I don't know. It's, it's just so strange because, like, to go from Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence to just, you know, these last few seasons with Clemson, I don't know what happened. Like, did they lose an OC or something? Like, I, like seriously, I don't know. Like, they've lost. They lost their, so it's also a wide receiver issue. They lost their OC and their wide receivers coach. Okay. Um, Jeff Scott, because he went to South Florida in 2020. Hmm. And their wide receiver talent took a massive drop. And now they really aren't developing guys. So they took a wide receiver hit at the same time they no longer have a generational quarterback. And the thing about Clemson, they never really had a dominant offensive line. It was always like top 30-ish, but it was, I mean, it was good enough. Right. right. And now they have a a ranked 30-ish offensive line with talented but underdeveloped receivers and a not-generational quarterback, and this is ultimately what you're left with. With the pressure to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that pressure's gone now in my mind, but it's it, it was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Saxo Steve. Week three college game day predictions. I would need to look at the week three schedule. So I, I did a little bit of investigating here, did my homework. Um, I, what Saxo Steve ultimately is asking, Randy, is do we think college game day will be attending Pitt versus West Virginia? Um, and to, to answer your question, uh, Sanso Steve, I actually, I, I genuinely believe that they will for two reasons. Reason number one, Pat McAfee, they're trying to, they're trying to make him the new Lee Corso, you know, they want to hype him up and, and Pat McAfee, obviously, uh, West Virginia guy. Um, that would be a lot of fun to see him, uh, go back home. Reason number two is several of the kind of quote unquote premier week three matchups we anticipated heading into the season. Um, have been busted because like <laughs> like South Carolina versus Georgia, that's no longer going to be that exciting. Tennessee versus Florida, uh, no one's going to watch that. TCU versus Houston, uh, who cares? You know. So I, I actually think, yeah. Well, I, I I don't know, man. Like, do you think anyone else other than Pitt versus West Virginia is going to get it? Mm, no. Well, there you go. That's 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 who it's got to be at this point because that's. Four teams, which would have had premier possible premier matchups that have all lost. Yeah. So congrats. And granted, granted, West Virginia lost two. <laughs> but 
but I, I feel like Game Day would go to that for the atmosphere and just like the rivalry, not for necessarily because it's like a big top 25 matchup, you know. I agree. I agree. Um, four Wobblies slash Hez had the same question next. Is Ohio State okay? No. They, I think they'll be okay. I mean. Did you see them? Did you see how bad I mean, it was? So here's the thing. If they're not a finished product yet, like they're going to get better throughout the course of the season. Their quarterback's going to develop. They're going to probably, what, be an 11-1, 10-2 team. I don't know. Maybe man. make the playoffs and lose in the first round. They're going to be Ohio State. The thing is, if they if they don't improve, like if they genuinely play like they did the rest of the season, I could see them going like 8-4, and four, dude. Like, honestly, like, I, this is actually I think concerning. you're overreacting. I really think you're overreacting. You said if they play so horribly, meanwhile, they still did win by three touchdowns. Two. Two touchdowns. It was, what, 20 to three? Oh, I can't do math. Okay. Yeah. It's 23 to three. I thought, I thought Indiana scored more. Three, yeah. Well, regardless, I don't know, man. I mean, I get that it's week one, and I remember Ohio State did kind of poorly against um, Notre Dame last year to open up. Um, and they obviously got better. So it, it'll be a team to watch closely, I'd say. Very true. All right, from Maladroy. Which playoff dark horse had the most encouraging week one? Depends on your definition of playoff dark horse. That's what I mean, because now there are certain teams which are now a playoff dark horse that weren't before week one. But if we're going, like, the answer going into week one, definitely Florida State. Yep, yep. Because they were the definition of playoff dark horse, and they had the definition of an encouraging week one, to say the least. Yeah, I was going to say Florida State, if you consider them a dark horse. Um, I mean, they've just got, like, uh, empty roads ahead of them, dude, and they got a full tank of gas. I think Florida State, I mean, they control their own destiny, and they're fun to watch, man. They're really fun to watch with Jordan Travis. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Florida State this year. I think another one that's going to be very interesting is going to be... Boise, or I'm sorry, Washington, who just destroyed Boise State. I was going to say. <laughs> they, they looked really, really, really good. Michael Penix Jr. Michael, and, Michael yeah, Boise State's not your average group of five team. They get a little bit more respect. For sure, for sure. I mean, it really, it, the way they scored, I mean, Michael Penix had, let me see here, 450 yards, five touchdowns. Again, like, I, I get that it's G5, I get that it's week one, but, like, that's that's insanely impressive in my mind. That means you're prepared. That means you're already kind of, like, locked in. And so, I don't know, man, Washington and Oregon and USC, those three teams in the Pac-12, it's going to be real fun to watch uh, later in the year. Yep. All right. Rice. Rice. Does the world explode if Texas beats Bama? <laughs> eh. That's a, I don't really think so. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like people are going to see it as, oh, wow, that's big. They're going to rush the field, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like at the end of the day, we still control our own destiny, and it's not a conference game yet. I, I My world would explode in a good way. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. For what it's worth, like, Randy, when, whenever any team beats Bama, it's always kind of this, like, earth-shattering moment, right? Like, it's always, like, the top post of r slash CFB that year. Um, the thing about this that makes it a little bit different is it's Texas. And so you have to also consider that part of the narrative here. where like, it's both Texas, quote unquote, being back and Alabama losing. It would be pretty huge. I, I, I'm willing to bet should Texas beat Alabama, the post game thread on RSSGFB would be probably a top five post of all time in terms of upvotes. It's probably what part of it is also like, this is 
this is the year Alabama supposed to be like finally back to them old back to their old selves. Right. So to already lose in week two would actually be like pretty huge. Bama would be fine, but we'll like that, every yeah. single take them out of the woodwork. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a very like right now everyone's losing their mind kind of a thing. Posty from Posty, give me reasons for UW being Wisconsin and not Washington. Go ahead, take the floor. I'll give you one right out of the gate here. Uh, we were founded in 1848. They were founded in 1861. So we came first. Uh, let's establish that right now. Um, another reason is in Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin, um, you may have noticed like we don't have like a Wisconsin state, right? There's not like an eastern Wisconsin or a northern Wisconsin or anything like that. Um, we actually label every single school uh like with, with UW followed by the city name. So there's like UW Milwaukee, right? UW Whitewater, you've probably heard of. UW Green Bay, right? So you, the, the acronym UW is very, very embedded within our education system. You really can't say the same for Washington, who has a Washington state and an Eastern Washington, right? Um, so I, I mean, those two reasons right there, I'd say, you, you gotta give us props. We are the real UW. You really thought about that one. I take my practice. I'm concerned now that they're joining the Big Ten. They're not going to stop. Be like, oh, we're UW. Like, no, let's, let's cool the brakes here, guys. Let's cool the brakes. We're going to nip that one in the butt. I, I got you. I yeah, got yeah. You. Establish dominance now. All right. From Larry, what combination of four game outcomes in week two would cause the most chaos? I've got, I've got them. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is an order of chaoticness, or from least chaotic to most chaotic, shall you say. Number one, I've got Iowa State defeating Iowa. And here's why. When was the last time Iowa State beat Iowa? That's a good question. It doesn't when happen. was it? It doesn't I don't know. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But it'd be it'd be pretty fun to watch, wouldn't it? It would be. It'd be kind of chaotic. Um, number two, as far as like playoff type stuff goes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but they literally just beat them last year. Wait, what? They did? <laughs> to be fair, yeah, Iowa no. had a six-game win streak before that. Iowa so. State 2022. I'm looking this up. Folks, you can tell we do our homework here on the Gym Podcast. Oh, you're right. Shoot. <laughs> they did before beat me. Iowa was on a six-game win streak, so it's okay. You know. <laughs> I forgot about that. Anyways, give me Iowa State there. That'll be chaotic. Um, another game that I think is going to cause chaos, should it happen, would be Tulane defeating Ole Miss. Because that's going to put Tulane firmly, kind of, in the G5 playoff conversation. Um, another game would be NC State defeating Notre Dame because, you know, people would be calling for Marcus Freeman's head. I think Notre Dame, being a top 10 team right now, has some playoff hopes, but they also have very little wiggle room being Notre Dame and not having a conference championship, of course. Uh, and finally, for me, Randy, I think you'll agree with this. Texas defeating Alabama would be immeasurably chaotic. Yeah, I think that one kind of speaks for itself. Um, I'm going to give you my four. I'm going to say Texas beating Alabama. We'll just go ahead and get that one out of the way. Of course. Um, I'm going to say Miami beating Texas A&M. And the reason I say this, I'm defining chaos as like everybody's going to be like, whoa. Or like, <laughs> sure. You know, like, sure. And every, if, if Miami beats Texas A&M, first of all, everybody's not going to be paid, paying attention to Miami right. because now for whatever reason, the top of the ACC looks I guess, okay. Yeah. Looks decent. And everybody's going to laugh at Texas A&M. As per usual. Yeah. Yeah. 
Another one is going to be Nebraska somehow beating Colorado, finally winning one of their one-score games. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. And my fourth one was a little harder to decide, but I think I'm going to go with... I don't know if I want to go with Stanford beating USC. No way. No way, Jose. (laughs) No way, Jose. Like That would be chaotic, but currently USC is favored by 29 points, so that'd be a pretty tall order. (laughs) It would be a very tall order, but that has happened, I That's think, true. with an even bigger point spread back in 2007, right? That's true. That's true. Keep an eye on that one. Good what? question, Larry. All right. From Sorchungus. Can Syracuse beat this Clemson team? For reference, Syracuse drops a 60 bomb on an FCS opponent in Week 1 and are favored by 23.5 over Western Michigan in Week 2. I'm going to say Yes. I'm going to say yes. They they have beat Clemson before, and they beat, like, Dynasty Clemson, not this Clemson. Yeah, they played them close last year. They lost on the road 27-21. So, yeah. I mean, Syracuse historically plays Clemson really close, actually. I'm looking now. 2021, they lost 17-14. to So, I don't know, man. I, I Given how bad Clemson is this year and how good Syracuse looks early on, I definitely could see them pulling it off. Yeah, I was going to say, Syracuse always plays them close, so it's definitely very possible. Um, Banana Joe, do you think Clemson wins any natties without literal generational talents so at quarterback? <laughs> no. No, obviously not. No. And he has a take he wanted to give, because we nope. said you can give takes, That's too, true. as part of the segment. He said, from Banana Joe, Texas looked past Rice, explaining their subpar performance. They have most certainly spent all of their energy on beating Bama, and Saban never declared a quarterback, mostly because of this fact. That's I, probably true. I agree. Um, yeah. Just looking at the Middle Tennessee State, State Middle Tennessee State game, uh, Jalen Miller missed some reads he should have made, hmm. like some pre-snap reads or whatever. But he looks comfortable he doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to turn the ball over multiple times a game and actively lose you the game sure yeah i i I agree with texas i mean i mean i I guess the part that's interesting to me about this is do you think do you agree with the idea that like alabama and nick saban didn't announce a quarterback mostly to mess with texas no not to mess with texas it was just eh, Just just for fun just Just, just for fun see that mess with everybody <laughs> i was messed with so there you go ty roland 06 is tcu bad or is colorado good a yes li- yeah a little bit of both i, I i'd say i think Colorado's good not great but they are good i think they're an eight and four team been seeing it all year and, and tcu is is bad i've been preaching that for a while now so I don't even think TCU is that bad. I just, they're obviously not. They lost a lot of first-round talent to the draft this past year. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. They probably have a bit of a hangover from losing by 60 points. Yeah, I don't know, man. Nothing about Sonny Dykes tells me that they're that he's built for the future. I don't know. Like, I, I, I really don't get the hype for TCU in general. Um, and I, I certainly don't get the hype for their coach. So... I mean, they've always been like a half decent program at the very least. They're not, they're not awful usually. They're usually pretty okay. I'm just, you know, I'm a hater after last year. I can't forgive them. What did they do last year? Oh, (laughs) what did they do? (laughs) You're just that mad about that game. I'm going to be mad forever, dude. They threw the national championship. That's true. They they viewed the national championship. They viewed getting to it as winning it, and, and that, that just bothers yeah, me. That's that makes bad, me mad. That's bad sportsmanship. It, it's extremely bad sportsmanship, and I I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. 
Right. All right. So that wraps up all the questions we got in the mailbag for the week. Great questions, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, we are moving on to the week two preview, and we will begin with Ole Miss versus or at Tulane, actually. Very important. Do you think this being a home game for Tulane makes much of a difference? I think it does. I mean, so actually, believe it or not, Tulane is one of the few uh, college football stadiums I have seen in my life. I was visiting New Orleans a few years ago. And the thing is, dude, about that place, they have the giant wave, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very bumping stadium, I think. I think it's an underrated G5 school uh, as far as, like, atmosphere goes. Being in New Orleans, you know, kind of a party, party city, I think the crowd is going to be absolutely rocking for Tulane. So, yeah, I, I think the home field advantage will be will be a factor in this one. I'm more meant, do you think Ole Miss fans are going to come in droves for the game? Because oh. this is a huge game. Uh, probably, if, if for no other reason to spend a weekend in New Orleans, just because it's kind of fun. <laughs> but, I just feel like this is one of those games. Every, there, It's not uncommon to have a great up-and-coming Group of Five program that's the dark horse Group of Five program for the year, mm-hmm. have a home game versus a decent Power Five team, and everybody want to jump on that Group of Five bandwagon and say, True. this is their chance, they're going to do it. True. But I just, I don't know why, I just don't see it happening. I feel like Ole Miss is going to be too ready. I think Lane Kiffin really wants to. He wants to. I think he's still got something to prove. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it comes down to that. Like, I, I really at this point can't make heads or tails of Lane Kiffin. I was such a big supporter of him early last year, but they really blew it late in the season. So it's kind of hard to say. Also, they here's the one thing that might kill them is that Ole Miss has Pete Golding now. Oh. And I, I remember <laughs> watching this. The very first play, Mercer's first play of the game, they scored a 75-yard touchdown. Really? And I'm like, that is peak Pete Golding. Peak Pete. So maybe then. Maybe maybe there's a chance for Tulane. <laughs> Given that knowledge. Oh, man. It gave me war flashbacks. Anyway. <laughs> Texas A&M at Miami. Uh, I, I think A&M wins this one. I don't know, man. I think Miami. I, I'm kind of cooling the brakes on them. Uh, I don't know. If, I actually watched a bit of Miami versus Miami <laughs> this last week, and though it was a good win on paper, 38 to three, it was kind of a slow burn. Miami's offense just looked a little bit. I don't know, just a little bit stagnant. They had a lot of field goals to start the game off. I think AM's ready, dude. I think Jimbo. Like you want to talk about coaches with things to prove. Jimbo has a ton to prove because he is firmly on the hot seat in my mind. Absolutely. I think A&M is a little bit more desperate and willing to just throw the kitchen sink for this win because they know that's important. They cannot lose this game. Pretty much every game is a must win at this point for them, for Jimbo. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they can get away with going like seven and five or eight and four. They Uh, really need to have a good season. This is the year. Whereas Miami, like there's kind of some wiggle room. You know, no one's it's Miami's going to be fine to go seven and five. A&M's not sort of a deal. Exactly. Miami doesn't have nearly the same pressure, so they're not going to come in with the same mentality. The right. thing is, Miami does have a ton of talent because Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. Right. But still, they don't have as much as A&M. I think A&M is fourth overall still, even yeah, with, even with all the departures. Totally loaded. So. Too loaded, but underperforming teams. This is at Miami, but the thing is, dude, Miami doesn't have fans who attend their home games, so I don't think that's going to be a factor either. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, the next one is Texas at Alabama. I'm going to let you take the floor for this one. Me? 
Well, I see. I, I I'll, I'll say this. Okay. We're, we've we've been talking a little bit in this segment about desperate teams. I I don't think there's a more desperate team in the nation than Texas. Uh, but the thing about Texas in general is that desperation very rarely leads to good outcomes. They end up oftentimes shooting themselves in the foot, you know, nerves getting to them, uh, playing scared, etc. And in my mind, dude, they're traveling to Alabama. That's that's going to be the difference to me. Last year, they kind of had the, the really allowed home field advantage uh, to kind of, you know, give them that extra spark that they needed to keep the game competitive. This year, dude, I think if and when Alabama scores early, it's going gonna, it's gonna to snowball pretty quickly. It, it, this is the kind of team that I think if they fall behind like 17-0 uh, at the end of the first quarter, that's game. Like Texas is not built to come back and beat Alabama. So because of that, dude, I think the tide rolls pretty soundly. I, I would have nothing to fear if I was an Alabama fan. You're really trying to jinx us. Think so? Um, <laughs> you, said not a team, you said there's not a team more desperate than Texas. I would say there's not a team more focused than Alabama, mm. which very much plays in our favor. And I can just tell their body language the way I know it was Middle Tennessee State. I've mentioned that three times. <laughs> but they just seemed focused. They didn't make the – there wasn't nearly as many penalties. Um, a lot less just like – basic errors and like false starts all sides of that sort of thing mm-hmm. they just look a lot more focused and cleaned up and ready and i remember there was one moment that really gave me a lot of hope <clears throat> it was i think it was in the third or fourth quarter obviously the game's already over mm-hmm. um jaylen merlo made an incorrect pre-snap read on one of the plays one of the linemen after the play was looking at him and like dude why did you do that look at this and was like showing it to him mm-hmm. so that shows that they have a lot of focus because they're still engaged in the game and still trying to make each individual play the best play that it can right. instead of just being like whatever game's over right right i mean that's something that seemed to be lacking the past two years yeah there's definitely a sense of teamwork i i can tell it's not just bryce you know leading the charge um, for what it's worth, Randy, I will say this. If if and only if Texas wins, it will be because Arch Manning comes in in the second half. That Quote me on that. Quote me on that. Why Arch Manning, you think he's going to come save the it's day? Just, uh, ESPN, the media, it, it's, some things it just feels like it's fate. You know what I mean? And I feel like regardless of who it is, I think the game that Arch Manning comes in, it's going to be a big dramatic comeback. It's going to be a big Texas win. Like you have to admit that. that like that's going to happen. So just hope it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Where it's just going to set up. They're going to roll out the red carpet for yep. them. Yep. All they're the guys are inspired. Be, you know, they're possible. playing aggressive. Yeah, yeah. It, it writes itself. The script. I got you. I got you. The script writers are really yeah. trying to outdo themselves this year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen though. Game, so. The next game we have is Wisconsin. At Washington State. And Wisconsin hold Washington State to under 35. That's the note I yes. wrote. No, we have a terrible defense, dude. I So, no, I, I get that no one watched Wisconsin versus Buffalo. That's fine. Much better games are on. But I'm going to say this, and you need to believe me, Randy. You need to believe me when I say this. This might be the first time ever that Wisconsin's offense is better than its defense. And it scares the <laughs> hell out of me. Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson year, that was true. I guess. I guess, but I mean, our defense is bad, is what I'm saying. Our offense is okay, but our defense is bad, and it's it's really hard to watch. And I don't know how teams do it. I don't know how teams do it. I don't think your defense is 
bad as much as they were very much sandbagging that Buffalo game. I just looked and they were given like three quarters effort and not really wanting to like put all their effort into tackling people. Yeah. They were definitely holding back a little bit. And I think part of the reason you pulled away in the second half was because they it, it literally looked like just on TV, they started trying a little harder <laughs> just physically. Yeah. I hope it was as simple as that. Even last year when you guys sucked, it was still a 17 to 14 game. Like, it's not like you got really beat, beat. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, uh, I think Washington State, they looked good last week. I don't know if you saw, they won by like 40 something points. Um, I think this is going to be the first real game of, of Luke Fickle's tenure. And I don't know, man. I'm really afraid, like, if we end up losing this game, it's going to be like people are going to really be clowning on us. And that's going to hurt. It's gonna hurt. I'm not gonna. I don't lie. think. I really don't even think that's gonna happen. I don't think people clown on you. People are gonna say, "Okay, it's year one, whatever." I really think that's it. We'll see. We'll see. It's not like you're Nebraska. I mean, that's true. That's true. A uh, couple more games here. I wanted to talk about. Um, one was Illinois versus Kansas on Friday night. Uh, this is actually, according to Vegas, this should be a really close game. Kansas is only favored by three at home, so that's like a dead even game. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this because I think it's going to be a crapshoot, and I really want to see Burt lose. So I, I hope Kansas wins this one. If you bring that up just to say that, to bring say up this game for that reason. Yeah, yeah, basically. But it should be a good, it should be a good game on Friday night. Everyone's going to be watching on Friday. All right, I'm going to bring up actually two games very quickly. I'm going to bring up Auburn versus Cal. Ooh. No matter what, the outcome of the game is going to be funny for me. That's true. You're a huge Cal hater. One of the maybe the biggest Cal hater I know. I, I no matter who wins this game, I win. This is a classic ACC SEC matchup. Like I'm not gonna say it like that. <laughs> ACC, of course. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. Um, no, I mean, I just feel like I just want to see Auburn look halfless, but win like 17 to 14, and then celebrate like they won the Super Bowl. I can see, I can definitely see that happening. To be honest, so. And we are going to bring that award back. We just didn't really. Oh yeah. It didn't really fit this week. Well, I could actually, I could give one out. I've got it. I, I've got it. Do you want to hear it? Go ahead. Uh, congratulations to Minnesota. This was your Super Bowl against Nebraska. If you recall that game, they did act like they were so happy about that win. Oops, they were celebrating like it was their Super Bowl. It's, I mean, let's be real. Like Nebraska losing a close game is is not is it is absolutely nothing special. So it, that that game said so much more about Nebraska than it said about Minnesota. But I think every every serious college football fan knows that. So and Minnesota didn't exactly look good in the game. No. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Um, One game I think is going to be very interesting is yeah. going to be Oregon versus Texas Tech. I believe they are at Texas it's at Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah, the, it's at Texas Tech. I find this game interesting because it's like, I just, you never hear about these. You would never think these two teams are going to play each other, no. first of all. Second of all, I did think it was funny that, like, last week, Texas Tech went to Wyoming and lost at Wyoming. Yeah. And it's like, did they just single-handedly destroy the entire reputation of the new Big 12 in one game? <laughs> yeah, it, that was pretty bad. The Big 12 had a pretty miserable opening week. I think the ACC definitely had the best uh, week one. But, yeah, Big 12, dude, is is in the dumps. It's getting a reset, though, soon, so we'll see. Um, I guess kind of keeping in the Big 12, kind of. 
in the future. The final game I wanted to actually talk about is Nebraska versus Colorado. Who do you think is going to win this one? Colorado. Really? But is it going to be close? Is it going to be a is it going to be a choke again for Nebraska, or is it going to be like a dominant win? I mean, that's one of those things where it's like no matter who Nebraska plays at this point, after three seasons of it happening all every single game, pretty much, mm-hmm. you just got to like assume it's going to happen that they're going to lose by one score. I'm guessing it'll be a missed field goal at the end. They'll have a chance to win, but it'll miss a field goal. That would be very on brand. Very on brand. Well, this should be a fun week too, Randy, um, especially for you. I mean, you've got your basically your game of the year already, um, at least on paper, your game of the year. So are you going to that game, by the way? Yes. Dude, send me Snapchats. I don't know if I'm going to be able to have a ticket to the game, but I will be in Tuscaloosa tailgating, etc. There you go. Well, have fun, Randy, uh, and Tuscaloosa, and folks, have fun watching week two. Uh, as always, thanks for tuning in the Jim Podcast, and as we say...